Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Well, hey, welcome again to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. I want to welcome you guys, but I also want to welcome those watching online. Can we welcome those? And then we have a very special group of people watching with us as well. Our family in Pittsburgh, Vintage Church Pittsburgh, is joining us this week. Can we welcome them as well? Is not technology incredible? Uh, we have been in this series, and believe it or not, we're three weeks away from wrapping it up. We are going to go through Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 13 over the next three weeks. We've been in this series called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Can't Stop? There we go. And so we've been looking at the, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is unique in that it was written to a group of Jewish Christians who had left Judaism to follow Jesus, but they had experienced some form of persecution. And as they were experiencing that persecution, they began to think to themselves, you know, maybe it would just be easier if we went back to what we knew. Go back to Judaism. Now here's the thing. Most of us in this room, if not all of us, did not come from Judaism. But here's what I want you to think about as we read and study the book of Hebrews. If you follow Jesus, that means you came from something. And the danger for you and I is that we would go back, we would leave Jesus and go back to what we came from. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. This idea of can't stop, won't stop, that we would endure. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight, endurance. How many of you would say, I need some endurance right now in my life, right? Pastor Brick just shared this reality that we're in a very different season of life. And what's weird about it is not just that it's just weird to begin with, but that it seems like it's never going to end. And so how do you live a life of endurance? That's what the author is getting at today. We're going to be in Hebrews 12, verse 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles or open your phones and turn there. And so I want you to think about it like this. I don't know, how many of you like to watch the Olympics? Anybody? Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics. My favorite Winter Olympics event is the biathlon. Any biathlon fans? Does anybody know what the biathlon is? Probably not, right? It's crazy to me because it's cross-country skiing, and then they stop and they shoot a rifle. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I'm like working out and, you know, I'm my heart rate is up. I can't relax enough to be able to shoot a rifle at five teeny tiny targets. But I mean, they do this for a very long distance. So I, I thought about the Summer Olympics. There's a, the, the, uh, the marathon in the Summer Olympics is 26 miles. Now, I don't know if you ever watched that on television, and you're, you, know, you get to the end of the marathon, and you're, you're beginning to see people who are crossing the, the finish line. And my immediate thought is, how in the world did they just endure running 26 miles? <laughs> 26 miles. 
And what we're going to see in Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews uses all kinds of race and running and Olympic imagery to get at this question. How do we endure in faith? How do we endure in faith? So let's look at Hebrews 12. We're going to read the first three verses together. And this is what the author says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, everybody say endurance, endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him, that's Jesus, who endured. Everybody say endured. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So how do we endure in faith? The first thing that I want you to see that I think the author is getting at in these first three verses is we focus on Jesus. We focus on Jesus. Now he begins chapter 12 with this statement, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What he's referring back to is Hebrews 11. Didn't Pastor Weaver last week do an incredible job? He, I gave him an entire chapter an entire chapter to preach. And what the author of Hebrews does through the entire chapter 11 is show you all of these characters, all of these individuals who displayed faith. And so imagine being in an arena or imagine being in a a place where they run and they, they have races. You're surrounded by witnesses, surrounded by people that are seeing you compete. And that's what the author is getting at. And the main idea... The main idea that the author wants to get across to his audience and to us is this. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. See, what the author recognizes, and if you're honest about life, you recognize, is that there are going to be moments that are not easy. Life is tough, right? I mean, forget about a pandemic, Life is tough. And there's going to be moments when you're thinking, you know what, it's easier just to go back. Or better yet, it's easier just to quit. And what the author wants us to see is that we have a race set before us. And we've been called to endure until the end. I mean, think about, go back and think about that marathon. It takes, and I don't even know how this is real, but it takes someone running a marathon, Olympic athlete by the way, just over two hours to run 26 miles. I I actually had to go back and think, is that real? Like, is that true, right? So you've got the 26 mile marathon that takes over two hours, and then you have the uh, 100 meter dash that someone can run in under 10 seconds. Now, what most of us assume is that the Christian life living is like the 100-meter dash. Boom, boom, it's done. But the Christian life is not like the 100-meter dash. It's like the marathon, 
right? We're not running a sprint, we're running a marathon. Think about it like this, enduring faith, endurance is not about speed, but stamina. It's not about speed, but stamina. Now, if you like long distance running, then, I mean, stamina is what is going to keep you in the race for the long haul. But that's hard, right? You've got to pace yourself. You've got to recognize that halfway through the race, you're going to be tired or you're going to be, your muscles are going to be hurting. Speed is easy. I mean, you might not be fast, right? I mean, I'm not fast. But at least it's over quick. And what the author is getting at is that's not what life is like. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so you don't need speed, you need stamina. And what does that look like for us? Look at what he says. First he says, laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I mean, literally the imagery is like an athlete, right? When athletes go to perform, what do they have? They have track suits on and warm-up suits. They don't run with those, right? They take those off and then they run. Why? Because those things impede them from running. And what the author is getting at, listen, things in your life that are slowing you down, remove those. And, and that's for us, what, he, what is he referencing? It's sin. The things that separate us from God. The things that make us look less like God. Remove. So remove, lay, lay aside every weight and sin, and then do, do what? Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, so what you're not doing is you're looking, you're not looking back at where you came from, but you're looking at where you're going. I mean, if you, if you are in any sort of race, you don't want to look behind your shoulder, right? I mean, there's only a few people like Usain Bolt, who's like the fastest man on the face of the planet, right? That can like taunt somebody as he's racing and still win a race. Most of us have to keep our eyes on the finish line because that's where we're headed. I read that and I thought about, anybody ever seen the Oregon uh, track athlete who prematurely celebrated? I've got a picture for you. So literally, this guy is, I mean, he is winning the race. I mean, you can see. And he's got his hands up because he is pumped. He's about ready to win this race. But then, all of a sudden... Because he's not paying attention, he loses. And look, his hands are up. He's confused. Conf what happened? You celebrated too early. You forgot about the finish line, and you thought you had won the race. Go, if you go on YouTube, you can find a short video clip of that, and it's hilarious. But that's what happens to us. When we're not focused on enduring, finishing the race, we look back and we're thinking, where's our enemies? Where's our opponents? Or, hey, that looks enticing. That looks interesting. The point is to look to Jesus because Jesus is the one who's at the finish line. And we're to endure to get to Jesus. The author says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Now, the entire book of Hebrews has been this reminder and this encouragement that, listen, what Jesus is calling you to is nothing that he hasn't already experienced. So, yeah, Jesus didn't live through the COVID-19 pandemic, but he suffered 
He, he was beaten for our sins. He suffered hunger. He was heartbroken over the loss of loved ones and friends. He endured much. And if Jesus can endure, he's a model for us that we too can endure. So how do we focus on Jesus? Two very simple, practical steps that I want you to think about. Number one, remove distractions. Right? If you're focused, you're laser focused on finishing the race, and what that means is you're not looking behind you, you're not looking to the left of you, you're not looking to the right of you, you're looking at the finish line. But if you're distracted, you're not going to be, in, to, to be able to endure. And so I want to encourage you to think about things like stillness, silence, and solitude. Those are not easy, by the way. They sound easy, but go by yourself with no one else, in complete silence, and see how long you can last. But it's only in those kinds of moments that you're able to remove the distractions. And so we remove the distractions. Why do we remove the distractions? To meditate on the gospel. To be reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. Because that's what's going to get us to the end. That's what's going to allow us to finish the race. So we meditate on the gospel. Right now we're in a Bible reading plan where we're reading through the book of Hebrews together. And I want to encourage you, if you're not reading your Bible regularly, we have that link. And you can go and find this Bible reading plan and read along and find silence and solitude and read and meditate on the gospel. So how do we endure in faith? We focus on Jesus. Let's look at verses 4 through 13. This is what the author says. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good." that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So, how do we endure in faith? The second thing that I want you to see is we grow from suffering. We grow from suffering. What the author is getting at is he's, again, he's using another analogy. So he's been talking about running a race, which all of them would have been familiar with, and then he moves to the family. And he, shows, he says, listen, discipline is not a bad thing. Yes, it's painful in the moment, but as a child, 
you later recognized that you needed discipline. You needed discipline to know right from wrong and to be a good human being. And if our fathers, who are not as good as our Heavenly Father, discipline us, then why wouldn't our Heavenly Father discipline us? And so this idea of discipline, it's not punishment, but it's rather instruction and it's training. Parents discipline their children because it demonstrates the parent's love, and the discipline determines the child's good. And so God disciplines us because He loves us and wants what's best for us. Now, here's the thing about this discipline, because at the heart of the author talking about discipline, what he's talking about is the suffering that these Christians have gone through. Just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that, that these Christians had experienced persecution, their their things had been taken, they had lost reputation, and they had lost relationships. And what the author is getting at here is the discipline from God that they're experiencing is the suffering that they are experiencing. Now, here, that's so countercultural to our worldview. To think that God would allow suffering and use suffering to better us. But what I want you to see, if you don't believe that, I just want you to read, just start reading your Bible and start seeing how God uses suffering from Genesis to Revelation to teach and discipline and grow His people. So here's what I want you to think about. How does God use suffering to grow us? Look at verse 11 in Hebrews 12. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That word train, he's picking back up the imagery of athletics. And that word train is literally the word that would refer to athletes training for a marathon or for some event. And so he's using that word to paint this picture. Now, I don't know about you, I literally just went to the gym like three hours ago, and it was brutal. I mean, it was so painful, it hurt. Uh, I, I joked with one of my trainers, Alex, and this was a few weeks ago, and we were doing some like upper body workouts, and I, I joked and I said, my chest literally feels like it's splitting apart. And he laughed at me. And I was like, what's so funny? And he's like, oh, that's a good thing. Huh? That's a good thing for my chest to split apart? He's like, yeah, that's called microtrauma. So I didn't know trauma was a good thing. And, and literally, he, I, I, asked, I asked Nick, the, one of, the owner and the trainer of, uh, at Bratton Sports, I said, explain to me how this works. And basically what he said is, like, your body wants to stay the same. Right, The path of least resistance, that's what your body wants. Keep it the same and we'll be cool. But if you want to grow, if you want to get stronger, you have to bring change into your body. And the only way to grow stronger is to literally rip your muscles. So when you're benching or you're doing a leg press or whatever you're doing, your muscles are literally ripping. And what they're doing then is they're ripping, and guess what? They're repairing themselves, and you're growing stronger. They're growing bigger. 
So the pain of my chest literally feeling like it's ripping in half is a good thing for me. And that's what the author of Hebrews in, in chapter 12 is getting at. Like, listen, in the moment, the pain hurts. In the moment, the suffering is terrible. But God's going to bring you through this, and it's actually not going to make you weaker. It's going to make you stronger. Here, here's what Tim Keller says in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He says, in the gym, you feel you're getting weaker. Amen? Pastor Weaver, yep. And you may leave barely able to walk up the steps. And yet the experience of weakness, if your coach has been skillful, will lead to increasing strength. This is what one commentator says that kind of piggybacks off that. He says, adversity and hardships are to be recognized as means designed by God to call His people to faithful and obedient sonship. So endurance is not, hey, this is going to be an easy road. There's the finish line. I can't wait to cross it. I might just be able to walk across. That's not endurance. Endurance is like, hey, the next mile is going to be terrible. It's going to hurt. My legs are going to cramp up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish. But you finish. And you cross the finish line and you endure. And the pain and the suffering that you went through to get there strengthens you and grows you. So how do we endure in faith? We grow from our suffering. I want you to think about this. How do we use suffering to grow? Because in the moment, right, when you're in pain, when it hurts... You're not thinking about, wow, this is a fantastic experience. I can't wait to do this again. Right? You're not thinking like that. And here's some, some things I want you to think about when you're experiencing suffering. Number one, run back to God. Because here's, here's what I have experienced in personal life and in pastoral ministry. Is that as soon as we begin to experience suffering, we ask God, God, this isn't fair. Why are you doing this? And the last thing that we need to do in our suffering is run away from God. In our suffering, we need to run to God. So we run back to God. Second, we learn to trust God. Because the suffering, we ask, again, why are we, we're asking ourselves, God, why would you do this to me? But we run back to God. Why do we run back to God? Because we know that God is good. And so we, we have to learn to trust God, that God would put us through this difficulty that He might grow us, that He might make us into the image of His Son, Jesus. And so we run back to God, we learn to trust God, and then lastly, we seek after God. Because, here's the thing. The suffering might draw you near to God, but when the suffering ends, it's not the moment that you run away from God. But after the suffering, because you know how good God is, you continue to seek after Him. We endure in faith. So we focus on Jesus. We grow from our suffering. Let's look at these last few verses in verses uh, 14 through 17. Here's what the author says. Strive for peace with everyone. 
and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now, there's a lot there, and I want to get down to what I think the author is telling us to do. How do we endure in faith? We protect one another. We protect one another. Now, here's the thing. This sports image and illustration has gone throughout all of this. And I want you to think about, there, there are some sports, team sports, right? If you don't play well in your position, the entire team suffers. And so you have to help everybody. But some of you might have played a sport where it wasn't a team sport. I wrestled in high school. Right, And it was up to me to win my match. No one else could come. There wasn't tag team wrestling. You know, that was the, the biggest thing that I hated about wrestling in high school. It wasn't big time wrestling. So I couldn't tag somebody and somebody helped me come out to wrestle. But here's the thing. Even when you are in a sport that's an individual sport, it's still a team. Because I practice with 20 other guys. And we practice together and Us pushing one another made one another stronger that then made us better wrestlers. And and that's what the author is getting at here. He's, listen, you have to endure, but you're not going to be able to endure what God is going to bring you by yourself. And so the most important thing that you can do is protect one another. Look at what the author says. He says, strive for peace. Strive for peace. It's difficult to endure when you're not at peace with one another. Amen? Some of you are like, mm, that one hurt. Right? I, mean, it's, I mean, if you're married, just think about your spouse. It's difficult to live in the same house with your spouse when there's not peace. Right? It's difficult. Some of us in the church, what we do is as soon as we get into an interpersonal conflict with another believer, we say, oh, now it's time to leave. I'm going to go find another church. Rather than work out whatever's going on in our relationship with one another, that we would have peace together. So the only reason we're able to endure is because we need one another. We can't isolate one another. And when we're struggling to be at peace with one another, we've got to fight for that peace. Because that's what's going to allow us to endure together. Look at what he says. What do we protect one another from? And these, I mean, these are clearly sins for you and I, but they were sins that this church was struggling with. We protect one another from falling away. The biggest issue in this book, that they would leave. If I'm running a race by myself, it's far easier to quit. No one's with me. I'm like, you know what? I can walk the rest of the way. (laughs) But if I've got somebody I'm running with, that's one of the reasons I go to the gym. It's accountability, right? If I just walked out and said, I'm done. Number one, I think they're going to beat me up. And they're going to hurt me, right? I have to finish. So we protect one another by fighting that we won't fall away. We protect one another from bitterness. That's one of the things that the author talks about. And then we protect one another from sexual sin. If sexual sin was an issue 2,000 years ago, trust me, it's still an issue today. 
for every single one of us. And we need one another together, holding one another accountable, that we would fight these sins together. That we would be able to endure together. We protect one another to grow in holiness. And as we grow in holiness, it leads us to endurance. So I want you to think about this. How do we protect one another? Just a few practical steps. Number one, be in accountable relationships with other believers. You've got to know people. And you've got to have a close enough relationship with people that you're opening up and saying, hey, this is where I struggle. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to protect one another. You, you have to know what someone's weakness is to be able to protect them from that weakness. Be in accountable relationships with other believers. Number two, encourage one another to endure. There are going to be moments that every single one of us are going to want to quit. But when you have somebody next to you that says you can't quit, you've got to keep going, it is far easier to endure till the end. Lastly, call out sin in one another's lives. Now you've got to be close enough to be able to see the sin. And so you have to be in these close enough relationships and there's got to be enough trust and accountability to where you can look at somebody and say, you know, what you're doing is not good. But if we're going to endure, we have to fight sin. What did the author say at the very beginning of this? Throw off the things that are holding you down. Throw off the sin that's in your life. So if we're going to endure in faith, we have to protect one another. We endure in faith by focusing on Jesus, growing from suffering, and protecting one another. I don't know what you're experiencing right now. I don't know if things are great, if things are difficult. But I know that every season of life brings challenges. And for some of us, we're able to kind of mask those challenges and continue to be a Christian, but not truly live like a Christian. And listen, part of endurance is running the race to become more like Jesus. And what that means is we pursue holiness. For some of us, there's a real danger that we're done following Jesus and we just want to walk away. And what the author of Hebrews is trying to say to both of these people is endure in faith. We endure in faith by focusing on Jesus, by growing from our suffering, and by protecting one another. Let's pray. Father, help us to finish the race. The race isn't easy.
but it's worth it. Every single one of us, God, is dealing with something. Maybe there's similar challenges. Maybe there's very different and very unique challenges. But all of us, God, run the risk of stopping the race or going backwards. God, challenge us and encourage us to endure until the end. So help us now, Father, as we respond to you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.